0: Hello, Katie and Sarah back with you guys today. Hi, everyone. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about something very close to forgiveness, which is what we talked about last time. And that is the good eye. Uh, And we'll explain more about that in a minute. But we have also had some awesome feedback and questions from our forgiveness episode. So we are planning a follow up to that episode a forgiveness part two of sorts. Um, So stay tuned for that. Some of the things that we're going to be discussing there are What does the process of forgiveness, forgiving others look like step by step? What if I get stuck despite my best efforts? What about an abusive situation? How do I show mercy, forgive, stay open, etc., but also protect myself when that is needed? So those are awesome questions. Um, If you have any questions or feedback, uh, please feel free to email me at fisk.katy at gmail.com. That's F-I-S-K dot K-A-T-Y at gmail.com.
1: This is so awesome, Katie. I'm really excited to do another one on forgiveness. Um, I think these questions are really awesome. And thank you for just all the feedback that we've been given. um, And I'm really excited to go further into it. But today we're going to be focusing on the good eye or more like our perspective on the world and how it impacts our faith and our spirituality um, so we're taking a lot of things that we learned from the Bema podcast, um, specifically episode 98, The Good Eye, Marty um Marty Solomon talks a lot about just the scripture in general and going in depth on the Greek words. So we'll be referencing that here and um here and there throughout this time. But today we're reading through Matthew six and we'll be starting in verse nineteen and we'll be ending Matthew seven, verse six. But right now we're just start with Matthew six, nineteen through twenty-four. Awesome. Treasures in heaven. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money.
0: I think what's hilarious about that last part is that oh, Sarah, you and I were just joking about my wallet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I have this like Bible slash wallet, so it has like my money and my credit cards in it, and then also the Bible. I was very confused when I saw it. <laughs> so sometimes I think about the scripture and I'm like, mm, is this idolatry? <laughs> but anyways, it's fuzzy, so we're gonna move on. Um, but yeah, so we're gonna focus focus especially on those verses talking about this eye and the lamp of the body, but. Your eyes represent how you see the world in this passage Um, and how you view the world greatly impacts your heart and who you are in inwardly or inside. It impacts what you look for and it impacts what you're going to find. And this is even proven scientifically by the RAS or reticular activating system. You can do more research on that. There are many scientific and psychological articles on it. There's also TED talks that you can watch on it as well. But the job of the RAS, and that's in your brain, is to filter out unnecessary information so the important stuff gets through. The RAS finds information to support your belief system. So it helps you see what you want to see and hear what you want to hear. The function of the RAS is to protect you from danger, but it can end up creating filters in your your mind, Um, filters like rejection or trust issues. And all of a sudden, our internal reality can become our external reality because we become attuned to look for the same experiences. For example, if I have a rejection filter, then I end up experiencing rejection in situation after situation that might not even be anything about rejection, but that's what I'm finding. And I end up rejecting myself over and over again. Most people obviously are not trying to do this. They're just finding the same things that they're used to finding. Consciously, we want to be happy and healthy, but subconsciously, our bodies want to keep us safe. And if we experience something as stressful or we're anxious in a situation or we don't feel safe or we don't feel like we can be ourselves, our bodies can start to flag those moments and we start looking for those same experiences over and over again. So we may not want what we keep finding, but we will keep finding it until we change at that inner level. So oftentimes what you don't want consciously, like none of us want to be rejected, is what you will find subconsciously.
1: Yeah, I think all that's super real. I think I can see that reflected in in my own life a lot, um, especially just that fear of rejection or fear of people not liking me. So the second I see a situation where I like it even hints towards that I can take that to level 1000 and be like, "Yep, they don't like me because they didn't look my way for Mm -hmm. some reason. Um, And I think even mentioning that it is like biologically, our nature is important because it's, it's not in our nature. Like we are not God like by nature, God created us, but we are different from him. We have sin in our hearts. and, um, And I think it's easy to kind of excuse it and be like, well, my you know my all what are is just trying to (laughs) protect itself or oh i don't have to forgive or oh like it's okay for me to judge because like this is just like how we are built to judge but at the end of the day like we're supposed to be fighting what our bodies that we tell ourselves is truth or not and be choosing god's truth over our own so i think it's important to acknowledge it and work through it but not Let it be that excuse. But I mean, I wish I could let it be the excuse sometimes, but it's important to realize like I have to fight through that versus surrender and say, it's okay for me to be this Mm -hmm. way because God's like, that's not my way, though.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great point because it's, you know, as we get to know each other, We want to be sensitive to each other and learn each other's triggers, um, learn each other's sensitivities, um, each other's insecurities. We obviously don't want to poke those buttons. Yeah. But at the same time, what you were saying makes me think of the scripture like beat your body and make it your slave. Like what we are aware to, we do have a responsibility Mm. to address those things. So, yeah, thanks for bringing that up, Sarah. Um, So what Marty talks about just in his uh, definition of these things is The good eye, the word for that is ayin tova, And uh, this is seeing the world in a good light. Um, The Greek word for healthy here also means generous. So it's seeing the world through a generous light, which means having a posture of abundance or basically seeing all the possibilities and all the potentials. It's this posture towards life of gratitude and trust. Um, Or as we always say, the glass is half full. Ayin ra'a, or the bad eye, um, is obviously the opposite. And the Greek word for that is, um, the Greek word for unhealthy here also means stingy. So this is a posture towards life of scarcity, or there's never enough. There's not going to be enough. I have to get mine. Um, Or seeing the world through fear and disappointments. um, The glass is half empty you you feel like or you think people are going to let me down people are going to hurt me people are going to disappoint me this is very much where trust issues come out of
1: yeah and I think I like just summing that up um toba Ra I'm not very great with Greek or any of
0: that but I't know is that Greek or Hebrew I don't even know <laughs> uh,
1: exactly um. No, so for me, I just look at it as like two different kinds of eyesights. It's either this positive outlook or this negative outlook, um, pessimistic or optimistic outlook, yeah. however you want to put it. Um, but the how we view the world impacts who we are as people and what actions we take. Um, and personally I when I read this and I realized that Jesus was talking about this like perspective on the world, I literally remember being called out like a couple months ago. On, hey, like, what do you do? You think you're an optimistic or pessimistic? What's your out view of life? Like, mm-hmm. how do you view life? And I realize I'm very negative. Um, I see a lot of problems uh, things going on around me at this critical eye. Um, and literally, I'm constantly judging the things around me, judging yeah. myself because I'm like, I have to get everything together. I have to be good, so I have to be able to point out everything that's wrong and mm-hmm. figure out how to fix it. But then that makes me overall judgmental because I'm sitting there and pointing out everything wrong mm-hmm. and I'm not focused on the beauty of the world or the potential I'm I'm just seeing all the things wrong with it. Yeah. And so what I see on the outside is really what's going on on the inside that I'm judging myself so much that I'm starting to judge everything around me. Yeah.
0: What that made me think of is how I mean even you know our universities—they're set up to teach us critical thinking, and yeah. we, they even try to—you know—start introducing that in high school. Don't know how well that's going. <laughs> yeah. Um, or even the news. I mean, it's—it's it's very fearful. It's very negative. It's yeah. very critical. And so there's so many things in our culture that teach us to have this perspective. Um, and so a lot of us just like inherit it without even realizing it. Mm-hmm. And it made me think about, oh my gosh, it's so embarrassing. But a couple <laughs> of years ago, um, Matt and I were leading a campus. ministry internship over the summer. And, um, oh gosh, this is so bad. I, um, we had a bunch of, um, interns come in for the summer from different places all over our, you know, our sisterhood of churches, um, all over the world. And, you know, I felt like, oh, it's my duty to train them Mm. and, uh, you know, I should give feedback to their ministers, you know, at the end of the summer about like how they did and how, you know, what I thought, what they need to work on. And I had no idea how critical and negative I was mm. towards the interns that whole summer because I was looking for their faults. I was looking for what do I need to train? Yeah. What do I need to like beat out of them? You know, like this has got to be high stakes, like really important, you know, training, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I just saw myself as the trainer yeah. and the master. I don't know. Um. And someone called me out on this. One of the ministers was like, I just feel like you, like, what about, you know, this, this sister, she was like, what about this sister? Like, does she have any strengths? Like, do you see any potential in her? I was like, oh my gosh. And we had a conversation after that. I was so scared, but it just opened my eyes to how critical had been and how much Mm. I had this like, right, right. Ayeen Ra'a, this bad eye. <laughs> yeah, and so I had to go back and repent and apologize and like actually go back and look at the summer completely differently, look at each mm. person differently, see all their strengths and potentials, and give different feedback.
1: Yeah, thanks for sharing that. You know, it's definitely hard, but I can I can relate so much, and it just makes me think about like, what if God had that kind of eyesight too? Like, how much more fearful are we going to be of ourselves and harder on ourselves if God looked at us that way as well? Where like, yeah, that internship for that job, like he's just pointing out your flaws, like it doesn't make me hopeful to be following God. It makes me very fearful.
0: Yep. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think I I just love that you keep bringing that up, that that self-criticism, because I can be so critical towards myself and so hard on myself. Um, And I hold myself to a lot of these unrelenting standards. Yeah. And for years and years, really, until recently, I wasn't aware of how I inwardly hold others to the same unrelenting standards. Like I saw myself as a very gracious person, Mm. but I was not in touch with where my heart was really going and my thoughts. Yeah. And that's where my criticism, my judgment, my prejudice come from. And often I don't say these things out loud, but they live in my heart. And as I've learned to let go of unrelenting standards towards myself, um, and practice gentleness with myself, I'm able to be much more gentle towards others.
1: Yeah, and I love how you even said, like, I don't say this out loud. Like, mm-hmm. I know for me, I don't say a lot of things that I think out That'd loud. Be bad. Yeah, even if it's beyond people, what I think about myself, like, I don't tell people yeah. like how bad i think of myself how incapable i feel that i am because people are like you're such a great like you can do this i'm like i mean i really can't do this like (laughs) i don't know what you see in me but it's definitely not what i see um but then it made me think of like when i look at god if i truly believed in him and his power and his heart his love for me like how different would i be like how different would the world look around me i wouldn't see the problems i wouldn't see how incapable i am or i would I wouldn't see all the negative things, but I'd see this potential, this hope, this beautiful thing. I'd be sitting there like, I can't wait to see what God does with this yeah. rather than, than be like, how can this person even get there? Yeah. Um, it's like this complete one hundred and eighty. especially if I feel like I don't know how to solve a problem. I don't go to this faithful mindset of like, wow, God's just going to blow my mind out of the water with this. I think, um, I'm a hope that we can get somewhere, um, and get in a place where God can finally work with us. Like I, like put God out of the picture rather than make him the picture. Yeah. Um. So I think just focusing on him really gives us that mindset, that positive mindset of, wow, like God, like Jesus, like you can do anything versus focusing on myself. All I see is my problems and what I am incapable of doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's how we achieve peace is that focus on God, that good eye. Yeah. It's how we can have peace no matter what storms are going around us, uh, what people are saying or thinking or doing in our lives. Um, so we're going to jump to the next part uh, or the next passage, which is uh, the passage on do not worry. That's Matthew six twenty-five through 34. I'm going to read that. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own.
1: I cannot tell you how many times I've been (laughs) shared that scripture, Uh but I've never looked at it in the whole picture of looking throughout like all of Matthew 6 because it gives it so much more meaning because we come from this idea of this positive outlook versus this negative outlook. Like what are your eyes really seeing? And then Jesus is like, so don't worry. And you can take that for how it is. Like, don't worry. Or if you look at it, um, connecting it with that eyesight, you see worry steals that positive outlook. It takes us away from who God is and it brings our focus to anything but him. And when we have this like stolen away from us, that's when we start to judge the world in our own eyes because we've lost who the real judge is and we've become the judge. And so personally for me, like like I said, I've gotten this scripture so many times and it's something very deeply rooted in me that I worry. I actually like struggle with anxiety. I've been going to counseling and yeah. on medication for it, but it's something, again, I don't want to excuse and be like, well, it's just how I was made to be anxious and worried. <laughs> but literally I, I'm learning so much that it's just my, my eyesight, like how I'm viewing the world. Yeah. Um. And the reason why if you go through anxiety and they put you on medication for it, they want you to do counseling as well, because it's not just like a chemical thing. It's a lot of our thoughts as well. And the more I break down the my thoughts, the more I realize I don't trust God to take care of me. I don't think he's really working for my good. I put all this pressure on myself that I think I have to do the heavy lifting and that I have to kind of get myself through life to be successful. And it's not that I don't think God's a good God. It's just I have this separation that he's not really in my life. Yeah. I didn't grow up Christian. I wasn't in a Christian household. And I didn't go to church praising the Lord every Sunday <laughs> with my family. It was just Me, myself, and I for most of my life. So I think I can have that so deeply rooted in my faith. Or even my parents were, like, they loved me. And I'm not saying, like, they're terrible people at all. (laughs) But they did have, they want me to be successful. So they did put a lot on me. And I I was taught to be a hard worker. And so my mind, it's like, I have to make things happen. And God's not going to just give it to me because i have to work for it right yeah but that that makes me again have this negative outlook because i know my limits i easily can break down i get overwhelmed um literally as i have a list of tasks i know of so many people who have seen me break down
0: mm-hmm. because
1: i am like i cannot do this at all and it's just because i see myself i don't see god in that situation um, and so when I worry, it takes God even more out of that picture. Yeah. But if I'm like very calm and like, okay, like this can be figured out. Like I'm like, <laughs> God's got this. This is good. Like
0: So cliche. Yeah,
1: it's very cliche, <laughs> but it's still like it, it does show. Like I feel like in my personal life, Definitely. I've been able to see God more. But the second I worry, God is out the door. Yeah. And that's not his position. Like he wants to be in the battle, but I'm the one who kicks him out onto the curb because I'm so worried.
0: Yeah. So it makes me think of the RAS again and how we can ingrain these certain thought patterns into our our brains to the point where it changes our brain structure, you know, and and that's why I think I love what you said about how medication should be combined with therapy. Yeah. Not that we're going to say anything more about that because we are not psychologists or therapists or psychiatrists. Uh, Definitely go see a doctor. Yep.
1: I'm trying to figure that out. So (laughs) I speak from life experience, but not actual.
0: (gasps) I remember what I was going to say. I was going to (laughs) say, because you were talking about like breakdowns and um, I used to have like a mini breakdown, like clockwork every week. Mm. This was for a long time. This was as a disciple, guys. So anyways, I needed a lot of help and intervention. But anyway, so I was going to (laughs) say, I think um, that another word for worry is fear. Um, And as I continue to dig into my heart, I see more and more that the root behind my negativity, my criticism, my judgment, my grudges, even my anger is fear. Like, I got a text recently where I just immediately blew up in anger inside, inside it, my heart. And um, as I thought about it, I was realizing, I was like, oh my gosh, this is such an overreaction. Like, why am I reacting so strongly? Because the text was actually very sweet, kind, and thoughtful. Like, it was not passive-aggressive. There was literally nothing wrong with this text or what this person was saying. But what I realized as I was journaling and praying about it was that it triggered my fear. And, but what was um, the immediate reaction I had, though, was anger Yeah. and getting angry with the person and feeling bitter and feeling resentful. But with the root was was fear. Um, and I think generosity directly connects to worry as well. And when we're worried about our resources or our finances like we don't give yeah um, or even our time we don't give of our time because we're worried about it mm-hmm. Um, and forgiveness is also directly connected to worry and we talked about that a little bit in the last podcast but we don't forgive people because we are worried that they won't get what they deserve
1: yeah and that leads us right into our next um chunk of scripture in Matthew 7 um, kind of what happens when we don't forgive or we keep this negative outlook Um, It goes into judging others. Mm -hmm. Um, So just that quick segue into Matthew 7, starting in verse 1. It says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own? You hypocrite! First take the plank out of your own eye, Then you will see clearly and remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces.
0: Yeah. And the first thing that sticks out to me, and I'm using the word stick because we're talking about a plank. (laughs) (laughs) But the first thing that sticks out to me is that there's this plank in your eye, which means that there's something that's literally skewing your view. Um, And so that you're not able to see the whole picture.
1: Wow. And I mean, this is intense <laughs> to talk yep. about because not only is it a heavy, to- like a heavy topic to talk about judgment and then this plank and speck and then the pearls, the pigs, the dogs. Like, yeah, I think overall, this is a very like attention grabbing one. And I think for me, I I don't want to talk about the topic of judgment too much. I Mm-mm. like to think, oh, it's out of sight, out of mind. I don't hold people or I don't judge people. Um, like I'm good, but I just love this aspect that Jesus has, where He's talking about this speck in our own eyes. Because, yeah, people sin. People might sin against you, however it may happen, but we sin against others as well. And we have sin, and it's such in our nature that we don't want to look at our own sin. Mm-hmm. Um, that when we hurt, like when we're hurt, we play this victim, or we feel like the victim who's been wrong, and what we do is point out the other person's action. Like, look at that plank in their eye. Look what they did to me. Um, We think about all their mistakes when we don't even think about our own hearts and where they're at, what's the wrong place. And the amount of times that I've like, literally thought they don't like me because... A-B-C-D-E-F-G, mm-hmm. H-I-J-K-L-L-O-M-P-U, like, <laughs> um, like I had a time where I literally thought a sister hated me. <laughs> um, very dramatic. It was like my first year of being a disciple. I was on this internship and we were in the same like room and I we didn't get much time together but we lived together so I'm like why aren't we growing close together? This doesn't make sense and we'd ride the metro together And she wouldn't talk. She was having her quiet times, but I was like, she just doesn't want to talk to me. (laughs) There was a time where I went to go take a shower. I was doing my own thing. She went to hang out with other people. And I was like, she didn't invite me intentionally. (laughs) And I was so much pointing all these different planks in her eyes Mm. that I had no idea I was the one who was being so insecure, so prideful that I was labeling every action that she had. That was like she's sinning against me because she doesn't like me. Yeah. And I just (laughs) I just remember being sat down and shared this scripture of the plank in the speck and 1 Corinthians 13 on love and being like, hey, sis, like you're not really loving people right now. In fact, you're being very insecure because this sister is going through a hard time. Um, She's trying to be with people close to her and she's trying to really get connected with God. But I was so focused on myself. I was like, she doesn't love me when it's really like I'm going through a hard time. Yeah. And I need that time to digest and at home when i'm about to sleep is my only time versus me who's like we can hang out we can have Mm -hmm. fun um so it's that idea of like literally my insecurities were labeled onto her and that's all me that's all me putting what i think because i see myself as someone who's not cool enough to hang out or unlovable or i just have all these insecurities about myself and so the second i saw something of she might not like me i was like it's because of these reasons yep But that's not what she thought at all. Mm -hmm. But that's what I thought about myself. And so, again, I just see, like, my own perspective, like, shifting, like, the truth and skewing it. And I'm like, I really was blind. I had more than a speck in my eye, honestly. So I I just think it's crazy.
0: Yeah, it's funny that you share that because I totally was that type of roommate, too, and had no idea. That's how I was making my roommates feel, the way that you were feeling. Um, But I love what you shared because gosh, that's such a struggle for me, too. I mean, we can just jump to assumptions and conclusions so quickly and assume that we know what people are thinking. Like Mm -hmm. we just assume we know best. And I have come to realize that I am very often wrong. Like I thought my intuition was so good. (laughs) It really is not that great. Um, (laughs) And those assumptions often get me into a lot of trouble. Um, And I think we can take it to the extreme, too. Uh, We don't even realize it. But Oftentimes when we make judgments about people, we are often making judgments on their value. And uh, we don't have an authority to do that. We act like we do, but only God has that authority to determine someone's value. But we can yeah. take one instance, one look, one word, one sentence, and just determine someone someone's unspiritual, someone's mean, someone's, you know, they're less of a Christian than me or whatever.
1: Yeah, and I can... I think that's just so interesting to say value because I don't sit there thinking I'm devaluing a person right. or I'm judging the value. But even when we were talking about the good and bad side, the Eon um, Torah. <laughs> Close um, enough. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when we were talking about that, part of that positive outlook, too, is even seeing potential. Yeah. Um, and I, re- I don't realize like it's devaluing people when I don't see that potential or I'm focusing on their mistakes and I'm like, well, I don't know if like they're going to really, I don't know if they'll repent. I don't know if they're going to be able to work through that. And I don't see it as devaluing people. But God's like, no, you are devaluing them because you're yeah. saying that they can't overcome, that I'm not going to work yeah. through them. And that's not your place to say what I do in their lives. But yeah. I'm I'm thinking, but I don't see it. So, mm. <laughs> But God's like, uh, not your job,
0: yeah. my job. <laughs> I think the most humbling thought to me when I'm examining what I'm thinking about someone is, This is God's daughter or Mm. this is God's son. Yeah. How does God feel about them? And I'm like, dang, like (laughs) that just can be a really quick like heart check for me, you know? Yeah. Um, But I think our judgment can also lead to bitterness. Um, And this is, again, similar to what we talked about in our last episode. But um, bitterness is is this poison that you drink, hoping it will kill the other person. And it's this evil brooding in your soul, and it's gathering strength, um, the longer that you don't deal with it, to strangle out every bit of love in your heart. And sometimes we actually are a victim of situations or of people, um, but sometimes we feel like a victim. We feel helpless. We feel hopeless. But bitterness is always a choice. And in the end, you choose to drink that poison. And so we can either choose to deal with hurt and heal, or we can choose to be lonely shells of the people that we once were. I think we seriously downplay the role of bitterness in our culture. It grows and it festers in the dark. And because it often comes out as venting, gossip, or passive spite, it can be overlooked a lot. And I've seen its web destroy many women, marriages, and families. Oftentimes you can hear it in someone's voice, someone's tone. You can even see it in their face and in their eyes. But that's only if you're looking for it and if you haven't lost sensitivity to it yourself. Um, I know that it comes out of my mouth, too. Oftentimes, it's in the form of jokes or passive aggression or complaining. Luke 6.45 says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And I found that over these past few months, as I overlook, I, I tend to overlook bitterness in my heart far too often. At the root of most of my complaints is bitterness. At the root of most of my ill feelings or my hunches about another brother or sister is bitterness. It's just waiting there, filing her nails, quietly making suggestions that make me pause. And bitterness often haunts me when I know I need to have a conversation with someone or address something. At 60 miles an hour, thoughts are racing through my mind, painting a picture of what she's going to say, then what I'm going to say, then what she'll do, and then what I'll do, and then I'll prove her. (laughs) But in the end, it's almost always the same story. Me trying to find some way to get the upper hand and shut this person down. And it's because I'm bitter. And even the smallest things can make me bitter. I hate admitting that, but it really, I'm just, I've just been so, my eyes have been so open Mm -hmm. (laughs) to how much of a struggle it is for me.
1: Yeah, I think that's really real. The idea of just how bitterness comes from that judgment. I think for myself, like bitterness, jealousy, that selfishness all is played in hand because I think I can be very bitter and jealous, especially towards I don't know. I was like reflecting on it towards certain people, um, even which is our church talked about, like the us and them, like who who's your us and who's them. Who are you protecting? Who are you lifting yeah. up? Versus like who are you making the villain in the story? And I think when people have what I desire, or people have like what I'm insecure in, that makes me better. It makes me very insecure. Um, I'm I'm on campus, so I think. For me right now, it's like looking at sorority or popular girls. I can be like, well, they're pretty, like they can get what they want, and so it makes me more bitter, judgmental, because it's like, oh, your problems aren't like as bad because you get everything handed to you, which is a major assumption and judgment. But I think is something in my heart that I don't focus on or address. But like beyond campus, what it what will it be for me? You know, like will it be the jobs that I see other people getting? Will it be the marriages that people are going to be getting or the family, the children, how they're being raised or their grades, like what else would um will come up in my heart if yeah. I don't address it now work through it now, like this bitter roots only going to latch on to different things as my life changes as well.
0: Yeah yeah and i just realized we talked a lot about the bad eye (laughs) yeah (laughs) which is good because we have to be able to recognize it um but if you feel like we need to talk more about the good eye uh definitely give us that (laughs) feedback if you need more (laughs) direction on that for sure um but thanks so much for listening and stay tuned for our next episode bye bye